0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When I was 11 years old, I cried for four days. The tears would not stop. I remember dark shadows forming under my eyes that showed the pain I felt inside. I was crying because I was homesick. That week, I was at a Unitarian Universalist summer camp on the coast of Maine. It's a camp that many people in my family have gone to where they've made friendships and memories that last a lifetime. This was not the memory that I expected to make. (laughs) Within a couple hours at camp, I felt a deep, miserable loneliness. I felt like I didn't belong, and I desperately wanted to go home. It was strange to miss my family as much as I did. Nothing about it made sense to me. I'd been away from home before, camp was only a week. Why did I feel so homesick for my bedroom and my parents and my friends from school? I made it through half of the week, tears streaming from my face, a constant frown as I trudged through nature walks and picked up my dinner in the dining hall. I went on a whale watch staring blankly at the unending ocean with pure angst wondering if that would be the day that my camp counselors would let me call my mom and ask her to come get me. And it was. I was happy to be going home, but ashamed that I had not loved the camp that my family loved. Some of my sadness remained, even as I settled back into the familiarity of my bedroom. And the years to come, I returned to camp and everything was fine, I made friends, I didn't have to go home early. But the memory of those homesick days sticks with me, a memory tinged with confusion, shame, and sadness. Those days when I was separated from my family and my life, I felt unmoored. As a preteen, my sense of self was shaped by the people in my life, and without them, I wasn't sure who I was. How could I make friends if I didn't even know who I was? While I believe that there is a spark in me that is uniquely Erica, so much of who I am, is a reflection of the people in my life. I am who I am because of the people who love me, the people who've educated me, supported me, and challenged me, and I am who I am because of the people who hurt me, the people who left me, and the people I had to leave. And I'm lucky to stand here today and say that there are more of the former than there are of the latter. This summer, we learned that 2,300 children have been separated from their parents. After leaving their homes and everything that was familiar to them in their lives, likely under frightening circumstances, these children have been separated from the people who love them, from the people who up to this point have helped them know who they are. Imagine being a child in the process of forming your sense of identity, taken from your family, transported across an uncertain terrain, and placed in a detention center. A detention center is not a summer camp. We've seen the images of these detention centers with children in what look like cages, children lying on mats on the floor, cramped spaces that are reminiscent of a jail. Despite the executive order signed over a month ago, there are still hundreds of children who have not been reunited with their parents. Whenever I hear these stories about the children who've been separated at the border, I feel like I'm falling in a hole. I remember what it felt like to be that girl who cried for days, the existential grief of my homesickness and the relative ease with which I was reconciled with my family. And that's not the case for these children. So much about these separations is still uncertain. What is certain is that it is traumatic for children of any age to be forcefully separated from their families. Studies show that when a child is separated from his or her parents under chaotic circumstances, a monsoon of stress hormones floods the brain and the body. These hormones are important for navigating stress in the short term. However, in high doses, these chemicals can increase the risk of lasting destructive complications like heart disease, diabetes, and some forms of cancer. In addition, multiple instances of trauma early in life can lead to mental health problems like depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. It's infuriating and disturbing at times when I'm listening to these stories on the news and I feel so hopeless, like there isn't anything that I could possibly do to make this terrible situation better. Reverend Kim taught me something about preaching that I always remember and that feels very applicable now. She said, if you're going to drop them in a hole, you have to give them a rope so they can start to climb out, right? (laughs) So we're in a hole and we need a rope. We need a reminder that we can make a difference in this horrible situation and that we need to. So I'm naming my own distress, my own fear, in knowing that there has been harm done to children in this country that cannot be undone. And I'm going to do my best to begin to drop us a rope so that we can start climbing out, so we can feel less helpless and more hopeful. Let's start here, Arlington Street Church. Arlington Street Church is a congregation with a legacy of taking a particular interest in the well-being of children. Reverend William Ellery Channing, the minister whose statue is across Arlington Street and stares directly into this sanctuary, is credited for being the father of American Unitarianism, but he's also known for being a minister who dedicated his life to the education and spiritual development of children. Early in his career, Channing sought the skills and resources of members of this congregation to help advance opportunities for children in the Boston area because during his lifetime, harm was being done to children. It's hard to imagine now, but in the 19th century, child labor played a crucial role in the Industrial Revolution. Children worked long hours in dangerous conditions for little pay. They were separated from their families, and they were not offered an education. The first Sunday schools in Boston were not like our religious education classes today. But instead, they were schools funded by Channing and his friends that would open on Sundays so that child laborers could learn to read and write on their day off. Channing worked closely with another key member of this congregation, Massachusetts State Senator Horace Mann. Today, Horace Mann is remembered in American history books for his significant work to expand free public education across our state and our country. Public education was one way that our ancestors sought to protect children from being exploited and to affirm equality for children of all ethnicities and classes. What I find so remarkable about Channing's contribution to the well-being of children is that it's not just limited to the children in his family or the children in his congregation or Unitarian children, but spread far beyond impacting the lives of many children he would never meet, and children who lived long after he was gone. In his, remarks Channing, in his remarks on education, Channing writes, there is no office higher than that of a teacher of youth, for there is nothing on earth so precious as the mind, soul, and character of a child. There is nothing on earth so precious as the mind, soul, and character of a child. These are words from our ancestor, from our religious heritage. We are part of a legacy that asks us to care for children who will never enter this sanctuary and who will live long after we are gone. But let's be real, children are not just precious. Children can be defiant and rude, they can be violent and mean, There is often something wild about children, an emotional abandon that is so distant from how people are expected to conduct themselves in public that it can feel very strange and confusing. I was on the Green Line on my way to church this spring, and a young boy, maybe two or three years old, began to cry. Not like my sad, homesick crying, but loud screams, throwing his head back, kicking his legs, throwing his sippy cup on the floor. His mother could barely contain him in her arms. His siblings tried to pacify him with smiles and toys, but nothing worked. His face was red and contorted. He was wild with emotion. He was really and truly a human being with a depth of feeling that could not be controlled or predicted or pacified, a depth of emotion that can be easily forgotten when children are only portrayed as precious. A minister who dedicated his life to caring for the emotional lives of children, Reverend Fred Rogers, known to most of us by his television persona, Mr. Rogers, once said, children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. It is so easy for us to focus on just the wildness or the preciousness of children and not see their wholeness because it is so easy in 2018 to not spend any time with children. For many of us, there are no children in our workplaces or in the restaurants we go to, children aren't permitted into the movies that we see or the concerts that we attend. More often than not, there is a groan of annoyance when a child is brought on an airplane or when an infant starts crying on the tee. It's so easy to avoid children, to forget what it means to spend time with a child, to forget that as people who believe in something greater than ourselves, the legacy of our lives involves more than just ourselves. Our legacy is not just how we will be remembered, It is how we care for the ones who will remember us. Several times each church year, we dedicate a child in this sanctuary. It is a tradition that has evolved from our denomination's Christian roots, from the holy sacrament of baptism. Baptism signifies both the purification of a child's spirit and the joyous welcoming into Christian community. While we still lug out the baptismal font, that we inherited from our Christian Unitarian ancestors, our dedication ceremony is not a baptism. We fill the silver bowl with water collected during our water communion on in-gathering Sunday. The child, their family, and Reverend Kim stand on the chancel. Reverend Kim blesses the child with our holy water and we are asked as a community to commit before all that is holy to each one of us to protect, love and nourish that child. The child is not purified, but blessed by this community for all that they are and all that they will become. They are welcomed, and we are reminded of our responsibility to care for all the children in this community. Today, I invite us to open our hearts to the possibility of dedicating ourselves with love and fervor to every wild and precious child, especially the children who are at risk of knowing themselves through the people and policies that cause them harm rather than the people who love them. When we are children, the adults in our lives help us know who we are. When we are adults, the children in our lives are the ones who tell our story. What story do we want to be told about how we respond to this humanitarian crisis? Let us remember the inherent worth and dignity of the children who have been separated from their families, children who feel pain, loneliness, and fear with the same intensity that everybody does. These children are not that far away, and however painful it is for us to hear, we need to hear their stories and consider what we can do to ensure that they are able to grow and learn and love. As it is for us today, our ancestors did not have one clear path that they could choose that would assure them that things would get better for the children in their society. They did not have the power to close the factories but they pooled their knowledge, their passion, and their resources to make change. And though it took time, it worked. I want to give us a rope to help us out of the hole, but the truth is we are not the ones in the hole. The children that are separated from their families are in the hole. We can be the rope that they are waiting for. We've done it before. Let's do it again. Let's put our minds and our hearts and our hands together, and let's think about what we can teach the children that we do encounter each day, so that they will treat all children with kindness and understanding. Let's think about how we can offer our resources to support efforts for families that have been separated so they may be reunited again. Let's think about what we can do to help heal the harm that has been done. We may never meet the children whose stories we are hearing in the news, but that does not mean that we do not have a responsibility to care for them. I pray that all children will come to know themselves through the people who love them, not the people who cause them harm. May all children be well. May all children be free from suffering. May all children be treated with dignity and respect. May every wild and precious child be loved just as they are. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, Please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.